This is your host, Matt Sheeks, and you are listening to the Northwest Race Report. I've got on my show James Swanick, who has uh, quite a storied history with uh, ESPN and is now uh, running a company called Swanick Sleep that we'll get into a little bit later. Um, James, how are you doing today? Well, thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, James, you were talking earlier. I basically know absolutely nothing about you. Um, and so I, I know that you have the ESPN background. Uh, you have this business with Swanick Sleep. Um, can you tell me a little bit about maybe your athletic background first? Well, I played rugby for 20 years. I wasn't a professional athlete or anything like that, but I grew up in Brisbane, Australia. I played cricket um, you know, right through high school and after high school. I played rugby through school and after school. I, I, I played rugby um, uh, for East Rugby Club in, in Brisbane, for Chiswick Rugby Club in London, and then I played for the Los Angeles Rugby Club for two years in 2003-2004. So uh, I was a um, pretty good cross-country runner, uh, endurance runner, nice. and uh, uh, but yet really cricket, rugby, and, and, and running was kind of really my, my main sports. Yeah, that sounds good. Well, I, I have zero experience with rugby, but... Uh... Definitely have the the cross country running background as well. Um, I was a cross country and track runner um, high school and, and college, and then uh, I kind of transitioned to to triathlon, and then um, went pro in triathlon shortly after that. Um, so so I've been racing, you know, pro in triathlon. Um, you might not know this, but I, I coach several triathletes that are kind of in the northwest. So most of the people that would probably hear this podcast are going to be some sort of endurance athlete that is, is likely to be in the Northwest. Uh, uh, could be anyone from a runner to a cyclist, triathlete, uh, could be a cross-country skier, uh, things like that. But you've kind of got more of this this background with um, just, just all things sport. And um, I understand that you were an ESPN anchor at one point. I was. I hosted Sports Center on ESPN from 2010 through 2012. It was a wonderful experience. That's so cool. So, so how did you end up becoming an ESPN anchor? Well, I uh, I had a friend of mine who was friends with an ESPN producer, and my friend knew that I was big into sports and loved sports. And he said, "I think you'd be pretty good on Sports Center. Do you want to do you want me to introduce you to the producer?" And I said, "Okay, sure." And uh, I convinced the producer to let me to let me fly out to Bristol, Connecticut, and do an audition. And uh, somehow I ended up getting the gig, and they put me on air about two weeks after I completed my audition. And I'd never been on TV before. Um, somehow I pulled it off. It was a it was a I don't know how I did it. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it sounded. I did a little bit of research into into James Swanick and what he was all about. And uh, it sounded like that was a pretty cool story. So that's that's really interesting. And then you held that position for about uh, two years, it sounds like. 2010 through 2012, I got to meet some people like Kobe Bryant and Tom Brady and Jerry Rice and um, wow. baseball stars. It was, it was great. Um, have you ever met Bill Walton? No, I never have. I never met him. Okay. Uh, it sounds like he's a fan of yours. Maybe uh, we went on a on a bike trip together uh, in in the fall, and I'm from I, I live in Eastern Oregon. I'm actually from the Seattle area, but I live out in Eastern Oregon where there's just tons of um, really great roads for road cycling, um, and there's just, there's just nobody out here. 
Um, so oh, it's right. really probably nothing like road riding in Australia. I, I understand the drivers there are pretty aggressive. <laughs> yeah. So you're a cross country runner, are you? I, I was cross country. Yeah. Um, back when I was younger. So, uh, so high school and then, uh, in college I ran at university of Portland and, um, they have a pretty, uh, like leading national level, uh, sort of cross country and track program there now. Um, I think it was kind of upcoming at the time. Um, so yeah, I ran there, you know, it's kind of a D one program, ran on scholarship there for five years. Um, and then in 2010, that's when I moved, uh, into pro triathlon and did that for six or seven years. But um, so yeah, somehow I ended up out here in, in Eastern Oregon and, um, Bill Walton wanted to know where the good riding was and, uh, someone at the, the local university here got us connected. And then all of a sudden I was talking to Bill Walton and, and he was grilling me about questions about where the good cycling was. And I ended up mapping some rides for him and his group. So it was this group called, uh, team chase and they, uh, they raise funds for, um, muscular dystrophy. Uh, and the team is kind of in honor of this this boy Chase, um, who who died of muscular dystrophy, um, and so the the whole team came out here to Eastern Oregon. I got to ride with them for a couple of days, uh, and then they went on and they were um, they were out here, you, you know, doing like sixty to hundred mile days for about ten days in Eastern Oregon, and and sounds like they had a really good time. Yeah, great. What what was your distance that you were you were particularly strong at? Um. Oh, oh, for racing. Um, yeah. In college, it was like 5K, 10K. So I was about a 14-minute 5K runner, which is pretty good by like uh, college standards. You know, it's not like it's not world class by any means, but it was it was pretty good at the the competition level that I was at. Um, and then when I transitioned into triathlon, um, I did not have the swimming background, and so I was always lagging behind in the swim. So you, you don't want to be in an event where it's really dependent on the swim, which is basically Olympic distance. Mm -hmm. Um, so I went right up to half Ironman and Ironman distance races because the, the swim is less of a factor in those races. So let's do a little preview here. So what are people going to get out of this, um, this podcast, if they keep listening, um, we're going to talk about your no alcohol challenge. Uh, we're going to talk about Swanick sleep and the, the Swanee sunglasses, and what benefit do you think that there would be um, for this audience that's probably largely endurance athletes um, and, and potentially living in the, the dreary, dark Northwest? Yeah, well, I haven't drunk alcohol since 2010. I was just a social drinker. I, I used to have one or two drinks a night. On weekends, I might have a bit more. But in 2010, I was in my um, kind of early early to mid-30s, I realized that I'd put on about 25 pounds over 18 months, just kind of like crept up on me. Uh, I wasn't sleeping very well. I was tired, lethargic, low energy. I didn't really have much clarity and focus. And I realized that my drinking was really holding, holding me back. It wasn't like I was an alcoholic. It wasn't like I was rock bottom. It wasn't like I was doing dumb things from drinking. It was just I wasn't doing smart things from not drinking. So... I just decided to quit drinking for 30 days in 2010, and in 30 days, I lost 13 pounds. My skin got better. I slept better. I had more energy, and so I just kept on going, and I haven't touched a drop of alcohol since. It's been now, now it's been almost nine years since I, I drank alcohol, and 
I subsequently created a program called the 30 Day No Alcohol Challenge, which you can see at 30daynoalcoholchallenge.com. And it helps people quit drinking for 30 days. Um, a lot of endurance athletes and pro athletes have come in and, and taken the challenge um, and really have experienced incredible benefits from, from going alcohol-free, if only for just 30 days. I also created a sleep company called Swanwick Sleep, and we create blue light blocking glasses. And you wear these, these blue light blocking glasses. They're called Swannies, the name of my company, Swannies. And the orange lens blocks the artificial blue light that comes out of your cell phone, TV screen, bathroom light, kitchen light that really disrupts your sleep as well. And so I really create businesses now around, around helping people reduce liquid alcohol and sleep better so they can increase their endurance, perform better, grow their muscles, create more energy, more clarity, more focus, and just overall feel better. Okay, um, so so I'm probably going to be taking the the no alcohol challenge for the next uh, 30 days, uh, except I'm I'm seven days ahead of the game because I just had the flu, so I couldn't drink anything. Um, so that gave that maybe gives me a nice uh, <laughs> jumping off point because I'm I'm very much a creature of habit, um, and I do like to have my one beer uh, a day, kind of like uh, with dinner or in the evening. Um, so could you elaborate a little bit on what sort of benefit do you think uh, endurance athletes specifically could gain from taking this, this uh, the 30-day challenge? Yeah, well, when you quit drinking, you, um, you know, even for 30 days, you, you sleep better first and foremost, okay? So when you sleep better, you can repair your muscles a lot better. So imagine you're training, you're an endurance athlete, you're running all the time. Sleep is so imperative to you repairing those muscles so you can get up and perform at a high level again. But when you drink, your sleep is compromised, which means you wake up just mm -hmm. a little bit tired, a little bit irritable. Your muscles and your joints have not repaired themselves the way that nature intended them to prepare themselves. And so now you're increasing the likelihood of injury. You're probably reducing your performance and um, you know your, your energy levels are starting to be um, to be compromised um, uh, as well. The other thing is um, in, when you ha when you ha get an injury, let's just say you sprain an ankle, for example. Or the, of course, what we do is we we want to go and ice that these injuries, right? Like if it's an ankle or knee, we want to ice it. Um, um, and, and the reason the reason why we we do that is obviously to reduce inflammation. Um, and to um, constrict the blood vessels, reduce the swelling and or the bleeding. But alcohol actually does the opposite of this, right? So alcohol actually impairs the healing and increases the amount of time an injury may take to heal. Um, you know, alcohol impairs healing from muscle soreness or an acute injury because alcohol is a blood vessel dilator, right? So, so super, super important to understand that. Um, I personally just see absolutely no benefit whatsoever in, in alcohol. There's no nutritional benefit to it. Um, in fact, um, alcohol actually uh, reduces the body's ability to be able to um, uh, use nutrients uh, in the body. Um, it, it, it inhibits the normal metabolism of vitamins, minerals, and all of the main energy substracts. So it's actually an anti-nutrient because it inhibits the conversion of B vitamins to their active coenzymes 
uh, which are involved in generating energy from carbohydrates, protein, uh, and and fat. So you know, alcohol can cause you know the malabsorption of nutrients, causes a cycle of deficiency, and you know it just it's not really going to help you recover uh, or repair uh, at a time when you should be. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's all very well put. I'm not going to try to uh, repeat all that, but uh, so it sounds like. Um, it, it increases uh, inflammation in your body and inhibits absorption of, of vitamins and uh, uh, all that other stuff that you mentioned. <laughs> it's, it's just not good for you. Sounds like it. So, um, so I've noticed, uh, you know, I'm 35 now, and um, I've noticed that my muscular recovery is much worse than when I was younger. And, you know, I'm a pretty high volume athlete, so I'm always doing, um, let's say 20 to 30 hours of training per week. Uh, so that's between swimming, biking, running and, um, and lifting weights. Mm -hmm. So that might be, you know, 40 miles, 50 miles of running per week. That might be 150 to 250 miles of cycling a week. And that might be, you know, 15,000 to 20,000 yards of, of swimming a week. Um, do you think that someone like me that is a light drinker, so I'm about one beer a day, do you think that I would see, uh, benefits in, uh, muscular recovery and, and what other benefits do you think someone that's like a light drinker would see? Well, I mean, everything I, I've already really spoken to, um, yeah. if you have a, if you have one beer or one glass of wine before you go to sleep, okay, uh -huh. which is traditionally when people are drinking, right? They're traditionally drinking at nighttime. So let's just say that you have a drink in the last two hours before you go to sleep. Well, that is enough for your sleep to be, to be compromised because now your body's working to break down that glass of wine and then you don't spend as long in that deep REM restorative phase of sleep, which means you wake up feeling just a little bit irritable, just a little bit. And because you're just a little bit irritable, you get out of bed just a little bit later than you ordinarily would or you start your run just a little bit later, or you finish your run just a little bit earlier, or you say, ah, I'm not feeling it today. I'll just skip today and do tomorrow. Or because you just had one seemingly innocent beer the night before, or one seemingly innocent glass of wine the night before. Now, the other thing is when you drink beer or wine, it actually leaves you wanting, wanting more, right? It actually wants you to reach for a carb-laden food. You never realize when you're drinking, you get hungry, right? Like you want to, you want to, you want to have a dessert. You want to eat fries. You want to, you know, you, you want to eat. So now you're eating at a time that you ordinarily wouldn't eat, or you're eating more at a time when you ordinarily would stop eating after whatever was, you know, originally on your plate. So now you're putting on weight. You're not sleeping well. You're waking up in the morning, getting out of bed a little bit later, or you, you, you're, you're, you know, you're not performing as just as well as you could be. And it might even just be like 5% difference. It's only a marginal thing, but that 5% could be enough to just completely throw out all of your preparations for whatever event you're competing in or for whatever you're wanting to do during the day. So I get it, like one beer here, a, a glass of wine there. Is it really going to affect your life? Probably not in the broad scope of things, but can it affect your performance on the track or on the field or wherever it is? Yes, absolutely it can.
Yeah, so it sounds like it's just a cumulative effect, right? Like for someone like me, it's just taking that edge off a little bit every day from um, from my performance and from my recovery, right? Yeah, and you you probably don't even you probably don't notice it initially. Uh, well, you I definitely can't... don't notice it now if if I've been doing it for so long. That's the normal for me. So if I take this challenge, can I get you back on the podcast and do a little report on my experience? Sure. Um, <laughs> See how you go with it. Sweet. Maybe we can also get Bill Walton on the show. <laughs> That'd be I can fun. I you're a fan. <laughs> well, he, I think he's part uh, owner in like a tequila company, so getting him, him to take the 30-day no-alcohol challenge, it might be a little bit difficult. That may be challenging. <laughs> Interestingly enough, tequila is actually the best alcohol that you can drink, or at least it's the least bad. It's actually the cleanest. It, it has the least amount of um, bad stuff in it for you. So tequila is actually, if you're going to drink alcohol, drinking tequila is the alcohol to drink. Really? Okay, I had no idea. What makes it the cleanest? I, I don't know either, I'm sorry, but I, I just know that um, that it, it just has the least amount of, I think, polyphenols in it or, you know, the toxins. It's just very, very clean, as, as, a, as I understand it. Well, that's cool. So I'm going to try it. I'm going to come back to you and I'm going to let you know what my experience was. It's going to be really hard for me to do it. So I really appreciate that you're coming on the show just for, for my personal accountability. And uh, when we also post this, we'll ask other people uh, and challenge them to take it and get them to comment to provide some accountability as well. Okay, well, let's move on to, to Swanick Sleep and the Swannies. So, uh, so your assistant, uh, she, she sent me a pair of the Swannies. And, and thank you for providing those. They're really cool. And so I wanted to tell you a little bit about my experience initially. Um, and, and James hasn't heard this yet. And he didn't, he didn't put me up to this at all. This is just like what my experience was. So I put them on the first time and I immediately got tired. Uh, and so like within the first minute or 30 seconds or two minutes or something like that. And I was actually working on some stuff and I had to keep going. So I took them off, right? And then I'd try putting them back on again, and I'd immediately get tired. And so I'd take them off again. Then when I, when I was finally done working on, um, it was some training plans for some people I coach, uh, then I put them back on, you know, for good for the rest of the night. And then I did have really good sleep, like, the first night. Um, so I was just curious, do other people, like, have a similar experience to that? Yeah, of course. Because, I mean, it's not, it's not rocket science. I mean, blue light from your screens and from light at night tricks your body and brain and think into thinking that it's daytime. What it's actually doing is stimulating your pituitary and pineal gland, which suppresses your melatonin production. So when you put on an orange lens, like you do with our glasses, the Swannies, then the orange lens blocks that blue light. Blue light is unable to penetrate the orange lens. Therefore your body flows with melatonin. Therefore you start to feel relaxed and you, your body starts to naturally want to prepare for sleep. So it's amazing that you had such great, you know, and, and such fast results from yeah, that in, as well. Instant. And I wasn't expecting that at all. You know, I was just putting them on to try them. I thought maybe this will help my quality of sleep. I didn't know anything that it might make me feel like, like I wanted to go to bed, like right at that moment. You'll just know to put them on in the last hour before you want to sleep now. So you, exactly. Yeah. I've, I've since read up and I know now that you're supposed to wear them for about 90 minutes. Is that correct? Yeah. About 90 minutes. I wear mine the last 60 minutes before I go to sleep. Yeah. 
well, it's a really like easy thing to do for a lot of people. Um, but I'm curious, like, how did you even come up with the idea for these things? I was out to dinner in Palm Springs, California, and I was sitting with a friend of mine named Mark, and he was wearing a pair of really ugly orange safety goggles at the dinner table. And there was a table of very attractive women adjacent to us. And I said to him, Mark, you look ridiculous, and you're making me look <laughs> ridiculous by association. <laughs> and, uh, okay. And so he said, no, I'm trying to block the blue light. And I said, blue light, what are you talking about? And he said, the light from the hotel lights has blue light. And when we look at the blue light, it disrupts our sleep. And so I'm blocking the blue light uh, from my eyes. And I said, yeah, but you look, you look stupid. <laughs> so I, I went back to Los Angeles and I found an old pair of ski goggles in my closet, which had a bit of an amber lens to them. Mm. And I put these ski goggles on and I started watching this TV series called Mad Men. Oh yeah. Um, Great show. And, uh, as I was watching Mad Men, I, I realized I was, I was finding myself become sleepier. Um, and then when I removed the goggles and I, I ultimately went to sleep, I realized I had, I was sleeping deeper and I was waking up feeling noticeably more refreshed. And so I thought, wow, there must be something to this. There must be something to blocking blue light from a computer screen or a TV screen. And that was when the idea hit me. What if I could create a stylish pair of blue light blocking glasses? What if I could put an orange lens into a stylish pair of, of you know, like Ray-Bans frames, mm -hmm. something like that? Yeah, yeah. And so that's what I did. I created a stylish pair and then uh, we started selling them on Amazon in 2015 and we sold out within 30 days of our first batch and then it's just grown from there into a, a pretty significant sleep company. Our company's called Swanwick Sleep and you know we sell blue light blocking glasses and, and we sell um, and produce oversized 100% um, silk sleep masks and uh, we do some um, sleep supplements and some melatonin gummies and a few other things like that. So yeah, it's really progressed since then. Well, that's great. Um, I was curious if you wanted to maybe share a little bit more about the, the science behind them. So I understand you guys had a, a validation study that you guys um, ran recently and uh, showed some pretty, some pretty good results with the Swannies. Um, do you mind speaking to that briefly? Yeah, we did a pretty significant study and where people used the SWAN. Uh, well, we, we, we tracked people's sleep for 30 days without using the Swannies, and then we tracked their sleep for 30 days wearing them, and then we tracked their sleep again not wearing them. And what we found is that when they wore the Swannies, they fell asleep seven minutes quicker. They ended up sleeping 11 minutes longer, and uh, um, I think three out of four uh, said that they – that Swannies uh, noticeably and definitively helped them sleep better. So pretty amazing. Um, and all it takes really is wearing uh, an orange lens at nighttime before you go to sleep and you can improve your sleep so, so dramatically like that. So again, sleep is so important for repair. I mean, I, last night I just had a wonderful, wonderful night's sleep and Wonderful in the sense that I slept for eight hours and I only woke up once to go and use the bathroom. And then this morning when I got up and went to the gym, I just felt amazing in the gym. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, wow, yeah. I'm, I'm lifting heavy here. You know, like I was really lifting heavy. I did shoulders today. I just focused on one one muscle group. But 
um, I, I had energy towards the end there. I mean, yeah, I was tired because I, you know, 45 minutes in, I was, my, I was starting to feel fatigued, but I really pushed through and, and lifted heavy. And now I feel amazing. And, and so if you can sleep better, imagine how much heavier you can lift in the gym. Imagine how much longer you can run if you're doing endurance. Imagine how much quicker you could run. Imagine how further or faster you could swim. Like all these things, you know, are so affected by the quality of your sleep. So if you can block that blue light at night, sleep better, you make gains in all areas of your life. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And what I've noticed, um, kind of, you know, I've been doing endurance sports since I was 14. So I'm beyond the 20 year mark now. Um, and the limiting factor is it's very rarely cardiovascular, right? Like I'm not able to get my heart rate up as high as I would maybe like. Um, it's the muscular recovery that holds me back, right? Mm. So you can't go up to the capacity that you have aerobically sometimes just because of the muscular damage. Um, so, so you're kind of getting into it a little bit already about the, the usefulness of, of Swannies from an athletic perspective. And we've, we've already talked about the usefulness of the 30 day, no alcohol challenge from an athletic perspective. Um, do you feel like there's anything else you want to share or, or do you have any like maybe case <clears throat> studies of other athletes and what they've experienced by using the Swannies? Well, I can tell you that the Swannies are currently worn by the Los Angeles Dodgers, the Boston Red Sox, the Chicago Bulls, the New Orleans Saints, the LA Galaxy, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, um, the New York Jets, the Miami Heat, um, the uh, US Olympic um, ice skating team, and uh, a host of other uh, professional athletes who are now using the Swannies blue light blocking glasses as uh, a means of in, improving their performance. So if you can get, if you can generate higher performance from good sleep, then of course you're going to wear a pair of, you know, the Swannies blue light blocking glasses in the last hour before you, you go to sleep because those athletes are looking for any type of edge they can. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, I mean, I'd be surprised if, if it wasn't like a, if, uh, I'm moved continuously moved towards a mainstream thing in the, in the next sort of five to 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You got any triathletes that are on the Swannies yet? Um, not Runners? that I'm aware of, I'm sure we have, but I just, yeah. not, I'm just not sure of any. Ben Greenfield is a big triathlete, um, mm -hmm. from Ben Greenfield fitness and he and his family all wear Swannies. And in fact, I've been on his show before talking about it and, um, Oh, great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Ben Greenfield, I think would be a big one. Sounds good. We got to get some bigger names on the Swannies. Maybe we'll reach them today. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the things that, uh, endurance athletes are often concerned about, especially someone that's maybe my, in my shoes, they're getting into their thirties. Like I say, recovery wasn't like it used to be. Um, you know, with endurance sports, it does tend to pull down your testosterone, right? We're not all alpha males like James Swanick out there as endurance athletes, right? It, it shaves off a little bit typically. Um, do you think that there's a possibility that kind of combining the no alcohol challenge with using the Swannies that we could get a lift in our testosterone? Um, you know, sleeping better does increase your testosterone. Again, it repairs... 
the, look, here's the thing. You go into the gym, right, and you do a squat or you do a deadlift. Your, mm-hmm. your, your testosterone levels are going to increase. Yeah. But, but, but repairing those muscles that you've just torn down from doing a squat or from doing a, a deadlift requires rest. Okay? It requires rest. And so when you rest after blasting your body filled with t- testosterone, when you go back into the gym the next day or a couple of days later, guess what? Now you've replenished your testosterone levels. Your ability to produce testosterone increases as the muscles in your body increase. Right? So it's, it's all fundamentally, fundamentally related. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that if you wear the glasses that you wake up in the morning and all of a sudden you've got more testosterone. Right. What I'm right. what I'm saying is that if you wear the glasses and you sleep better and therefore you're able to work the muscles which generate and release testosterone, then you can say that the glasses increase your testosterone levels. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's what yeah. I was looking for. Yeah. <laughs> um one other question for you about the, the endurance athlete thing. So uh, probably a lot of people that will be listening to this are, are in a more northern climate. And especially some people in the northwest, there's some pretty wet, dark areas like Seattle and Portland. Um, where I live, you know, I'm not sure if you've ever been to Bend, but it's a similar climate to that where it's pretty dry. There's, there is a lot of sun. But um, do you think that um, there would be even more... Um, usefulness in using something like the Swannies for people that are in these these areas that don't get a lot of sunlight? For sure. I mean, the, mo- the most important thing is to expose yourself to as much light as possible in the morning. And even if you wake okay. up and the sun's still down, you can actually buy um, a couple of devices that, that simulate the sun. Philips has a, uh, a good morning kind of alarm clock, which, which tries to recreate the, the blue light from the, from the sun. Um, and there's a company called Lighting Science um, that have both a, uh, a nighttime and a morning time light bulb. So mm. um, wearing, uh, 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 blasting yourself with as much blue light and natural light as possible in the morning will tell your body that it's daytime, which ironically 16 hours later will help your body um, know when to start producing melatonin. And then blocking blue light in the last hour before sleep is going to um, improve your, your, your sleep quality as well. So whether you're in the Northern Hemisphere in a winter climate or the Southern, southern Hemisphere in a summer climate and the sun gets up in one time zone and not until after 7 a.m. and another time zone and it gets up at 5, 5 a.m., blast yourself with light in the morning and block as much blue light at night. Perfect, perfect. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm really hoping that there's some people close to me that could really use that advice because I do try to tell them like they have trouble sleeping and I do try to tell them, well, you have to get out in the morning and get that early morning sunlight because I did read that somewhere. Um, and that, that that's helpful for, for setting the body's, um, uh, biological clock. So I'm hoping that they'll take your advice on that and, and start getting up earlier, getting that early morning sunlight. Yeah. So, so what about the really cheap people out there? Like, can't we just keep using night shift and, and F lux and, and stuff like that and, and get the same effect. Night shift and flux are good, but they give you about a three out of 10 protection. So yes, keep using them, but it does not block the light from your bathroom light, your kitchen light, your alarm clock light, your television screen. 
-hmm. So anyone who says, oh, I don't need blue light blocking glasses because I have night shift on my phone, yeah, is, is, is speaking baloney. Because, yeah, it does help. It gives you like a 3 out of 10 protection. But 3 out of 10 may as well be 0 out of 10. Because as soon as your body is exposed to light, as soon as your eyes look into that light, you're tricking your body and brain into thinking that it's daytime. So, yes, use night shift. Yes, use F-Flux. But use them in conjunction with a pair of blue light blocking glasses to really block that light. Sweet. Sounds good. Well, James, uh, thanks so much for being on the show. That's pretty much all the, the questions I had for you. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to maybe add? No, thanks so much for, uh, for having me. I, I'd be happy to give your, your listeners a discount on a pair of Swannies if they like. I think you have a code there. I do, yeah. So if someone's listening to this and they, they want to uh, pick up a pair of Swannies, um, the URL is, is swanicsleep.com. Is that right? Yeah, Swan Wick Sleep, S-W-A-N. Swan Wick Sleep, okay, yeah, there's a W in there, yeah. Yep. Uh, we'll put that in the, the show notes and um, in the text for, for the blog post as well. Um, the discount code is Trifios, so just the same um, just the same lettering as, as the URL for my site. That's the discount code, so T-R-I-T-H-E-O-S. Gets you 15% off. Um, James didn't put me up to asking him all these questions that were... Uh, you know, related to his product, but um, so far I'm a believer and, you know, I feel like if this will help people with their athletic performance, like then, hey, people need to know about it and it could be a really good thing for them. Uh, if you made it this far in the podcast, thanks for listening. Uh, James, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. We'll catch you next time.